0: All right. Welcome back. Today, we've got a fun topic. We're talking about teams, investment committees, your board. You can see here on the, uh, on the screen here. Now, I know I'm dressed up. Lincoln's not. Lincoln came to work today. Kind yeah, of a sorry, slob. Guys. But <laughs> we're here. We're going to talk about this. Should be fun. We actually, this is one of the most common questions we get in the group in the course is, Bridger, what type of team do I need to build? How do I compensate them? What does equity look like? How do I think about my investment committee? What, are, what do I do with people on my board? So Lincoln and myself, we're going to sit down and talk through a few options you can use when thinking about building your team.
1: That's right. So the very first video in the course, we talk about you know, the three fundamental characters in a team, right? The expert investor, the fund manager, and the money raiser. Right, but we wanted to break that down a little further. Right? You don't really look at a team and nobody puts on their LinkedIn profile. I'm an expert investor, right? It's usually you'll see the title CIO, Chief Investment Officer. Okay, it's a fundamental person inside of a fund, right? They, they're making the decisions. And then the second, especially if you're over 150 million in assets, you're gonna have to have a CCO, okay, the chief compliance officer. All right. And this is usually in tandem or connected with a CFO, right? Sometimes this hat can be shared. So
0: CIO will be up here with your expert investor. CCO or CFO will most likely be here in your middle circle fund manager.
1: Aside from these individuals, like you, just need to start thinking about um, your team dynamics, right? Like, okay, am I going to be able to, as the chief investment officer, am I going to be able to identify the investments, like, and take care of all the things and procedures that are necessary there, or am I going to need a couple analysts, right? Like, what people do I need to hire to accomplish this? Now, it doesn't have to be big. Your first year, you don't have to go big, get a big commercial office space and hire a bunch of people. It can start small and lean. That's probably the best way to go. But, you know, just be thinking about your capacity there. So if it's you and your partner, right, you have your chief compliance officer. He's saying he's probably making investments with you. You don't have anybody that knows compliance. You can outsource those things. So there's a company called Foreside where essentially you hire them and you keep a chief compliance officer on your team, but they're going to tell you what you need to do, right? Maybe it's like anywhere from 20K to... As high as 100k a year depending on how many jobs and hats you're having them do but they'll essentially hold the cco like your partner that doesn't know anything about compliance they'll hold their hand and say hey this is what you have to do uh, you, don't have to, you have to file this report you have to make sure this gets done but you're covered there.
0: So, for example, my brother, John Pankton, you see him in the course, he actually has done this for a few previous companies. He's been a, a third-party CCO, chief compliance officer, they've invited in, and he's helped them get up to speed on compliance and been their compliance officer externally.
1: Yep, that's right. So, a big question, though, you're probably asking yourself already is, okay, how do I compensate, you know, my partners, you know, and how do I, how do I pay them? you have two main levers that you can pull. The first is just straight up cash, right? If you've got deep pockets, great. You know You can hire all of these people out. If you don't, you have another lever at your disposal, right? Equity, okay? So Bridger, in your fund and in other funds that you've seen, like what's the split here in terms of, you know, how much are you paying people and how much equity are you giving them for their different jobs?
0: Again, this all depends on your company, what you're doing. so and I hate those answers, but it depends. What I've seen in my funds and funds I've worked with is depending on the timeline. So at the early stages, right at the beginning, usually you're leaning a lot towards equity because you don't have cash to work with. Once you're up and running, you're going to try to move to as cash as much as possible. And sometimes a hybrid of the two, you can do rev shares or other profit sharing type of things for employees.
1: So what about money raisers? Talk to me about how you would compensate a money raiser.
0: So these three circles that we have in other videos, right? It's hard to say exactly how much to pay each one. A money raiser could be paid if they're solely just a money raiser they could be paid as low as a half of percent. If that's all they're going to do is just raise money and leave, it can be very low. Typically though, now, you're...
1: Sorry, let me ask. Is that a half a percent of you know the total money they raise or is that a half a percent of your equity?
0: Yeah, great question. I would say half a percent of equity there. Now, money raisers can be paid all the way up to, I wouldn't say 50% of the business depending on how much value they bring. This is just like any business you've ever started before. It really depends on the team you're bringing. Typically, though, for a good rule of thumb, I say for these three jobs, I I think in my mind a third to each one. So a third to a money raiser or money raiser group, a third to a fund manager, and a third to the expert investor. Now, when you're setting up, and actually with my fund, we're setting up another one right now. We've looked at this, and I personally am going to be doing a lot of the fund manager role. I'm going to be doing some of the money raising as well, probably about half of the money raising. So, We sat down and looked at that and I thought, well, I, you know, I I think that's worth maybe 40, 45% equity. And my other partner, he said, well, I'm going to be doing a lot of money raising and a lot of the expert investing. So we split it that way and that'll adjust in the future. The one thing that's so nice about being inside of a fund and a lot of funds that you guys will be running private equity, a real estate fund, a venture fund where you have close ended funds and you're launching multiple funds, you can give equity on the first fund, And it's not going to be perfect, obviously. You give out your equity to everybody or money or profit sharing, whatever it is. Let that fund run for a year or two. If things don't look that great, or maybe one partner is not living up to their standard, on the next fund, the next general partner... You can adjust that equity. It's not like you're setting up Facebook for the one time you gotta set up Facebook and it's gonna run forever. You set up multiple funds, multiple general partners, and sometimes people are left out on future general partners. So one example is from my dad's funds, actually. He told me on their first founding team, they went and they had 14 partners for their first founding team, which is a lot, right? It's a lot of partners. They're all they they argued for months on equity, they finally divided it up, and they said this. They said, each person has a certain set of things they're in charge of. One year from now, we're all gonna reconvene and we will do performance reviews on each other. In that year, your equity is up to be cut in half if you don't meet your standards and what you've said you're gonna accomplish in the next year. So what it did for those 14 partners, they all had their equity and they were all now accountable to that equity over the next year. And when that told me actually there was one partner that he was busy doing other, he had other businesses and other stuff, just didn't fulfill his role. And after the first year, his equity got cut a significant amount. I'm not sure if it was all the way to half. They then wrote out that fund on the next fund. He got 10 times less equity on the next fund. And on the third fund, he was not even included on the third fund. So So you can set up those kind of things inside of your fund for equity. And I wouldn't worry about it as much because you're going to be doing this for a long time and have multiple entities in the future.
1: And kind of along lines with that, the number one reason I see why people aren't successful at starting and scaling a fund is because they try and do it by themselves, right? You can't be selfish. You have
0: to be willing to give up some of that equity because there's just there's a lot to do, right? No one does this alone. There's a reason we talk so much in this course about building teams. Investors are betting on a jockey, not the horse. They are betting on your team. And you've got to be very thoughtful about what team you're building and i would say i would agree with lincoln being generous with a with founding partners about how much equity each person has
1: yeah okay let's move forward a little bit let's talk we get a lot of questions about you know where does the investment committee fit into this and what role do they play well first up i'm just going to say that the investment committee is hands on okay they are involved and they essentially their core job is to improve investments whether that's to purchase a company, to make a trade, to buy a real estate property, but it can be a team of anywhere from, what do you say, three to seven people. could be more than that, right? Where it's usually majority and you're just going to meet on an as needed basis.
0: So I've seen investment committees that'll meet maybe once a week, twice a month. Maybe it's only once a month. They Mm -hmm. meet They have properties or projects or ideas brought forward to them from different members or maybe it's outside analysts that bring it together and that committee has to sit in a room and they have all their checklists and due diligence and analytics that they're going to decide yes or no on a deal or project that they're going to do. These are the, the core of your team, the core of your expert investor, this circle it really gets broken down into your investment committee on yeah. how they decide on deals. Now, with
1: that said, this they can be external. Okay, you can hire out people. Well, only they come in or they Zoom chat in for just a meeting to you know improve a venture investment or something. Mm-hmm. Bridger, how would you compensate people on an investment committee?
0: Yeah, typically, they are compensated based on performance. Right, you want them to look at a thousand deals and they can pick out the one best deal out of a thousand deals. So you'd like to have their compensation tied to the performance of the deal. So typically I see either a rev share, profit share, or equity given. And then sometimes with a base salary or something like that, to investment committee members where they're salary, their dollars are tied directly to the performance of the fund.
1: Okay, let's move over to your board, okay? So your board of directors, board of advisors, whatever you wanna call it. These are more people that are hands off, okay? They're not super involved in the day-to-day of the fund, right, they're more of just an advisor. If you look on a fund's website, they're called operating partners, okay? It looks like they're just a general partner of the fund, why? Because these partners are leveraging their experience. In reality, these, these managers probably only call them up a couple times a year. Maybe they sit in every quarter. Heck, once a year, right? Like it doesn't have to be, they don't have to be that involved, but these the, the fund managers, the general partners are leveraging their experience.
0: This is a great way for if you don't have the Harvard degree or if you feel like I don't have the ton of experience, this is where you can leverage, we always talk about leveraging an OPM, right? Other people's money. Mm-hmm. Leverage other people's experiences on your board. And that, you'll see this over and over again on decks of this board of amazing people. They're not running the business, but it's nice. It's almost like a letter of recommendation from these great people that you, they're allowing their, their face and name to be on your pitch deck to give investors confidence thinking about your board and being thoughtful about your board is actually really crucial to what you're doing inside of your fund.
1: Yeah. And like, look, you're going to put their, as Bridger said, you're going to put their face on your pitch deck, right? And you're going to sell their experience, especially if it's better than yours. Okay. And don't, you're not cheating. You're not you know, any loopholes there, but that's the way the business is done. Okay. Mm
0: -hmm. Now, Lincoln, how much do you compensate? Do you even compensate board members and should you, or should you, how does that work? Okay.
1: Obviously, if you have a family, a friend that has some prestigious role at somewhere, then if you can get away without compensating them, great. You know, usually that's not the case. They're going to want something for their time. And that's usually more of a salary. And it could just be where, Look, I'll pay you fifty thousand dollars a year or a hundred thousand dollars a year to have twelve phone calls, or you know, I just that's all I need. Just where I can check in, get your opinion on something, or we can have an official meeting with if you have multiple board of directors or board of advisors, and you know, we can talk through just different
0: strategies. If they're a good mentor in your life, though, um, a lot of times you can get away with at the beginning the startup phase as a free person on your board. Yeah. Um, where they'll because they already have plenty of money, right? They don't need yeah. more money. So you can get away with it. But what I've seen is as your company grows, to be kind and, and to give back, to them. They, they probably will never ask for it. They won't even ask for any money. But I, yeah, we do see salaries of 50, maybe 100, maybe even $300,000 a year yeah. to sit on a board and give advice. And then at that point, you can ask a little bit more from them if you want them to be in your quarterly meetings, year end mm-hmm. type of meetings. Maybe they could even step in on your investment committee and give you ideas if they're that type of a person. Also, I've seen sometimes small amounts of equity given, uh, maybe less than 2%, I would say 2% of the most. To any member of the board if they're really a great founding member on your board and really helped you. Alms is a way to give back. Again, they probably will never ask for it, but it is a nice gesture. To give back to them
1: so if someone's sitting in a high position you can almost a double-edged sword here where a board of advisors can help you with money raising you say hey look you help me with money raising the more money you raise the more equity i'm going to give you and then i'd love to have you sit on the board and some people if they're kind of right at that tipping point on their career to sit on a board looks really good right mm-hmm. so maybe they're prestigious in one sector and they're just trying to diversify their resume per se Like this is a great opportunity for them to do that.
0: So again, this is a high level overview, obviously. We can't get into the metrics of your team and how you're going to build because everyone watching this course is going to have a different style and different type of fund. I've seen hedge funds with a a team as small as maybe 10 or 15 people that are managing billions of dollars. I've seen real estate funds that have four or 5,000 people on their teams. Like my dad's funds, they have about 4,500 employees that work for their real estate funds and they manage the same amount of money as a hedge fund who has maybe 15 or 20 people on their team. So it really depends on the style of investing you're doing and where you can find alpha, where you can leverage people like Lincoln talks about in one of the other videos, leveraging people and their expertise to find alpha to find higher returns for your fund. Hey, what's going on? Wasn't that awesome? So what we've done is made a Facebook group that is free to the public. You've got to opt in and join it, but I go live in there every single Wednesday to walk through your questions, do live Q and A and walk through new topics. So if you want to connect with me, want me to answer your questions directly, join our Facebook group, it's Investment Fund Secrets. If you go online, you'll see it. We have a private group for our Mastermind members. It's not that one, it's our free group. You guys can hop in, get questions answered, meet other people starting funds and, and join our investment investment fund secrets family. If you guys are interested, go to Facebook investment fund secrets. I'll see you guys inside.